As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Open the pod bay doors, huh? I'm sorry, Dan. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the most you ever lost in the contest? Go ahead. Make my day. afternoon or evening and welcome to the latest episode of Black Hole Cinema with your host Tony Black. This one will be slightly shorter than normal simply because it's been a long week or so for myself, uh, a lot going on. There has been unfortunately less time to get to the cinema and unfortunately there's been less time to edit this wonderful podcast which as a result means that the two reviews that I have got in my back pocket are all you're going to get today. There will be a return for the for getting a friend on talking about their favourite film next time or the time after, depending on how we're doing for releases. But that hasn't gone away. There's still a fair few for you to enjoy. But this time there will just be two movie reviews for you to enjoy. So it's a quicker black hole. So you'll be able to listen to this. Uh, pop your tea in the oven and it'll be done by the time you're finished. So let's go for it. Okay, first up then this week, myself and my good friend Matt Latham travelled a good 20 miles away from home to go to a uh, small cinema in southern Birmingham to catch a film that has not been widely released that is very much a cult hit. Well, based on, based on a cult hit anyway. And we were lucky to actually get to see it's Veronica Mars. You were issued a private investigator's license for your 18th birthday? What do you think that says about a person? Compulsive, addictive personality, but that's not me anymore. My daughter, the big shot New York lawyer. You're destined for greatness. I've oversold you. My parents don't think that I could have landed a creature such as the one that I've described. 
Local authorities have ruled the death a homicide and are focusing their investigation on her boyfriend, Logan Eccles. I need your help, Veronica. I don't really do that anymore. So Veronica Mars was a TV show roughly about 10, 12 years ago. And it was one, it was one I, I, I'd never seen. I'd heard much about it. It came out pretty much at the point where Buffy the Vampire Slayer finished. And it was very much from what I've read upon and what I've been told, to some extent, a kind of a successor in a way to what that very well-known cult heat show was doing, which was taking the a plucky young heroine, in this case, Kristen Bell's eponymous Veronica Mars, and weaving a whole tapestry of college angst and growing up issues around, rather than with Buffy, you know, monsters and ghouls and vampires and all that kind of thing. This was rather about the detective noir. So corruption, lies, deceit, all that kind of thing, you know, in this small Californian town called Neptune. And Veronica was a PI. She ended up becoming a PI, looking into the very Twin Peaks-esque murder or death of her best friend when she was young and the way she coped with it was to investigate this murder and try and piece together all the clues when a quite ineffectual police force are out there not doing much and there's lots of different suspects as always in a murder mystery at the same time going through college and having to you know cope with all the peer pressure and everything like that and and have this quite quite tempestuous traumatic love affair with uh, the character of Logan uh, Eccles, who's this quite brooding um, suspect in in the murder and, and the ex-boyfriend of, of, of the girl who was killed. And then the, the show, you know, it, took, it was on for three seasons. And it, it, from what I've been told, and again, as I say, I still haven't seen it. From what I've been told, it developed and went into a few different areas and, you know, had quite a, a large cast of characters knocking around Veronica. And it uh, ultimately died died off basically it didn't it didn't get a proper conclusion at the end of its third season with the hope that there was going to be a fourth season in which Veronica was possibly going to be in the FBI or there was different interpretations of what a fourth season might hold but no it didn't come to pass at all and it was cancelled before it really became a proper breakout hit Veronica Mars became one of those shows kind of like you know your fireflies and and and, and TV series like that that never really got their day in the sun properly and they didn't last as long as maybe they should have done, and have since been revered with a proper diehard cult following of people who, you know, have desperately wanted to see the story continue. And as a result, last year, the, Veronica Mars was, was the consequence of, of the probably the, the most famous Kickstarter campaign in terms of entertainment there's ever been. Kickstarter, of course, being the pledge website that's taken off over recent years where people pledge, you know, five, ten, fifteen dollars upwards um, to a project in order to get it raised in order for it to raise the money to get on its feet and and take off. And and the writer and, and the creator of, of Run Kamars, Rob Thomas, uh, after having years of, of in the wilderness, not being able to get a continuation of the series, a movie of Veronica Mars made, decided to, you know what, we're gonna get a Kickstarter. The actors were already involved doing videos to promote the idea of the Veronica Mars movie. And they, I think, I think they wanted to raise 2 million of, of pledges and in a record breaking time, they raised something like 5 million 
I think it was, uh, and completely blew all the records away. And in the devotion from the fan base, you know, people, you know, donating a thousand dollars or whatever. Um, and as a result, either getting cameos in the film or getting special packs and all this kind of stuff. It was it was quite a phenomenon last year in how this really took off in a certain period of time. And I know a fair few people who pledged five, ten dollars themselves to help get it made. So this, this is a film that very much has been made by the fans in many respects. The fans helped Rob Thomas get the money in which he could take to the studio and say, look, you know, I've got this amount of money. What else can you give me? Let's do it. And then, you know, it was a... He didn't need a massive budget. The studio know that it's not going to be... They're not going to necessarily need a massive rate of return because the fans have paid for it. They're not really putting too much of their own money in. So it was a case of, yeah, go and do it. Brilliant. Okay. So as a result, the movie of Veronica Mars is very much something that, as it, as it was made effectively by the fans, it is also something very much for the fans. It's Rob Thomas almost writing a thank you to... Uh, the, the very loyal fan base who've stuck around for the last 10 years. You know, Veronica Mars went off air, I think it was 2005. So these these people are still wanting this now, nearly a decade later, is quite something else. So you would be forgiven for thinking that someone like me, who isn't a fan, not that I dislike the show, I've just never watched it. And I've heard many good things about it over the years. But for someone like me who's never seen the show and has a very scant knowledge, you would think that I'd go into this and either not enjoy it or get very little out of it. And while it's it's true that I think for non-fans, and let's be honest, there are going to be more non-fans out there watching this if you do get to catch it at the cinema, which is very unlikely because it's very, 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 you know, very limited. But if you do catch it at some point on DVD or on, on, on television or whatever, there's going to be more people out there, I think, who don't know what Veronica Mars is or don't know who she is and don't really, you know, have any connection like myself. But the simple fact is that what surprised me the most is that it actually works for a non-fan as well as a fan. And I didn't expect that at all. I expected to go into Veronica Mars and be completely lost and have no idea who everyone was except for Kristen Bell. And even with the fact that Matt gave me a primer beforehand in the car on the way to the cinema, you know, he told me the basics of the first three seasons. I still expected to go in there going, this is a complete continuation of what's come before. But... Thankfully, Rob Thomas is actually a far, far cleverer writer than that. And he even gives a primer at the very beginning, which was exactly what my friend had told me, effectively, and gives you all the backstory you need to know, which isn't very much, to be honest, and then gets into the movie. And I was impressed immediately by the fact that I didn't feel like I was having to struggle to keep up. It tells its own story. And the story, effectively, is the fact that nine years have passed since... Veronica was in Neptune. She's now in a, in a New York law firm. She's about to get a, a, a brand new law job. She's qualified at the bar. You know, she's about to make something of herself after years of being in this crummy Californian town. You know, and she's ultimately drawn back into her old life when uh, an old friend is uh, who's now a quite famous actress is murdered, and so she goes back to Neptune to try and help her ex-boyfriend Logan who's been accused of the crime because he now ended up with the starlet who was killed and he's been accused of the crime. So she goes back um, to try and help him get out of this, believing he's innocent. And, you know, inevitably there are things that happen that, that you would expect, you know, she starts to fall for him again. She starts to get sucked into the lifestyle. You know, people are like her father, Keith Mars, he's telling her, you know, get away. You got out of this place. Go, don't come back. This place is, is a bit corrupt. It's, you know... 
But it, ultimately, the journey really for Veronica is, can she escape the life she wants to? Or, and even, crucially, does she want to? And that's the central heart, really, of, of the film. Be, because that journey works is why the film itself works, because the, the rest of it is flawed to an extent. You know, the, 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 the plot itself... The central mystery and the whole idea of, of a Veronica Mars film is that there's this central noir kind of mystery. And it, it's certainly not a thriller. If, it, if it's been marketed at any point as a thriller, that's just not true. It's not. It's a drama. It's a character drama with a noir, slightly noir sensibility. Although Rob Thomas doesn't really have the money to be able to really communicate too much of that. It's, it's, quite, it's quite stilted. It's not at all cinematic. We saw this on a fairly big screen. And I genuinely believe it would probably play better on a smaller screen, on a normal-sized television. It's not a cinematic film at all, in the least. Uh, and it perhaps loses something with that scope. And the story itself, you know, the mystery, it takes a long time to get into. And once we finally get there, Veronica kind of just figures it out fairly swiftly. You know, it's, it's not that, that complicated, ultimately. So from, from that perspective, from a plot perspective, it, it's quite... It's not really firing on all cylinders it's certainly not too twisty it's not too turny but the the, the whole thing is I, I think it would have lost something if it had been because fact is this is a character drama and like i said before this is about fan service to an extent you know it is about rob thomas being able to bring back these characters that people know and love all these little intertwining little characters around veronica and he does that you know but he doesn't do it in the sense that you know he's, he's laughing at the people like myself who've turned up to see you know, this drama, and, and go, oh, you won't know what's going on, but I don't care. That's not what he's done. He's updated all the characters, but he's, you know, he's made them, yeah, you know, there were, there were certain people I had no idea who they were, and, and there wasn't that much of an attempt to explain who they were, but at the same time, it didn't really matter that I didn't really know who they were. They still served a function in the story that, that, that went with Veronica's journey, and that's the crucial thing. Had it been an hour and a half or whatever of Veronica just wandering around this town, meeting people she knows and getting caught up in something that was a direct continuation from the show, then it would have been really bad. But Rob Thomas doesn't do that. And crucially, his script is really good. You know, he's got a real ear for dialogue. Um, he's got this really zippy, witty script that just that just fires on many on many cylinders. And it helps that Kristen Bell is fantastic. And, you know, it's it, she's she's not a megastar by any means, but a lot of people know who Kristen Bell is, but people, I think, underestimate her. She's a genuinely, genuinely good actress who doesn't maybe get the due she deserves. She's really good in this. She holds this together, like, like Veronica would have to, because she is the central heart of the whole thing, naturally. Um, but she, she's just a delight all the way through. She really knows how to sell the line. She's got a real gift for comedy. She's funny. She's sexy. She's sassy without ever being annoying. She's great. She really is great. She's the best thing in it by far. And it's rare to be able to find a lead character who is the best thing in it, who is the best character. But she holds this together. Rob Thomas's script holds this together. The fact it's, it is funny, it is well-written, it, it has got good dialogue. Plot is certainly not his strong point, but that doesn't really, it doesn't really tend to matter, ultimately. It doesn't detract from the film being an enjoyable experience. It's not mind-blowing. It's not a great example of noir it's not a great mystery it's not particularly exciting all the time but it's got something that a lot of films don't have it's well written and it's got some really good performances by by some genuinely good actors none of whom are massively famous really except there is a really bizarre cameo by james franco but uh, you know you, you'll see that later but it's just it's just well made within what it is and the very fact that it, it 
came to life through Kickstarter, through the power of fandom, through the fact that people who loved this show wanted to see something else and managed to get it made is a real testament to why you should go and see it. Why, why I, I urge you to do what myself and, and Matt did, go to a cinema, certainly in the UK, if you're in the UK, but in the US as well, or wherever you are, find it, go and watch it, because it deserves to make money back, because it's one of those projects that is made out of pure love, and it wasn't made for me. And the fact I enjoyed it as well means that it deserves to be seen. It's nothing amazing. If you're a Veronica Mars fan, you're going to love it far more than if you're not. But... Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. It deserves your time. Veronica, whatever you're doing, please be careful. Okay, on to the last review this week, and boy is it a corker. I've just come back from seeing Under the Skin. So you live alone? Yes. I think I'm pretty. I like a gorgeous. Come to me. Under the Skin, then, which... If Under the Skin isn't very high in my top five of 2014, then, my God, this has been an incredible year for cinema. I mean, already there are two probable other films that are going to be in the top five and it's not even April. You know, we're talking about 12 Years a Slave and The Grand Budapest Hotel. Both are very different reasons. Under the Skin, I may love possibly more than both of those, which is saying something. I don't know yet. It will take another viewing. It could take several other viewings. It will take lots of processes in my head. But I genuinely cannot remember the last time that I walked out of a cinema so profoundly disturbed by what I just watched. Under the Skin has kind of just crept its way in, really. It's a film by a guy called Jonathan Glazer, who hasn't done a movie, bizarrely enough, since 2004, I 
think 2004, 10 years since a film called Birth, which I haven't seen. Before that, he did Sexy Beast with Ben Kingsley, I believe, and, and Ray Winston. And that achieved quite a critical acclaim a good 10, 13 years ago. And before then, he used to, he's, he's directed a lot of quite well-known music videos and, and commercials and things like that. So he's got, he's got quite a, a visual, artistic background, this guy. But he's not really very well-known. He's not necessarily considered as being a great filmmaker, even though he's made, from what people tell me, at least one really, really good film. So Under the Skin has kind of come out of nowhere, and it's had this kind of undercurrent of critical buzz, but people don't really know what it is, and people haven't really been prepared for it. You know, Scarlett Johansson's in it, of course, and Scarlett Johansson is one of the biggest actresses in Hollywood right now. And ironically enough, within within the space of a week, she's going from from being in this to being in Captain America: The Winter Soldier, which they, the, these these two films could not be further apart on the spectrum of what movie making is. And it's amazing, really, that she's she's leapt from from one to the other and manages to get away with it so well. I I'm very very hesitant in how to actually talk about Under the Skin because I I genuinely believe that this is a film you need to go and experience cold. I did. I knew I the, I knew the basics. I knew the basic idea behind it, which was Scarlett Johansson in Scotland killing men she picks up off the street. That that's that's all I knew. That's all I knew. I knew one extra little thing, which. I could kind of tell you about it. It isn't necessarily a spoiler, but I think if I say what it is, it potentially clouds your mind too much before you go in. It didn't necessarily do that with me, but I don't want to be the one to say that to you in advance. I want. I think you should go into this and experience it as coldly as you possibly can without knowing quite what it is. Because to be honest, you're going to come out the cinema and you won't quite know what it is anyway. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. And normally it can be, but in this case, it's really not. I was left leaving, reeling with a various range of emotions about what I'd just spent 105, 108 minutes watching. It's a film about humanity, ultimately. It's about the different sides of humanity. It's about discovering what humanity is. It's about the ugliness within humanity. It's about the wonder of what a human being is that's the undercurrent theme behind what Jonathan Glazer is trying to do here the most amazing thing about Under the Skin well there's, there's several really good things the first that has to be said is Scarlett Johansson because you know she's she's not always had the best rep she's she's not necessarily someone people have slated constantly you know she's not like a Kate Hudson who, who people tend to agree is just in crap or someone even like a Cameron Diaz who seems to flip between doing absolute bilge and my god I saw a trailer for a film called The Other Woman before this which oh anyway uh, <laughs> oh you know someone who's gone from doing some good stuff and doing some really awful stuff and then you know Scarlett Johansson kind of as for quite a few years I'd say flitting between the middle she has done some fairly rubbish things like The Island for example but then obviously she got involved with Marvel and now she's she's on a bit of a critical acclaim after being really good in Avengers and I'm, I'm going to assume I'm going to take a punt and guess that she's really good in Captain America too. Anyway, she's not necessarily the kind of person you expect to be associated with a film like this, which is so down and grungy and... Very, so it, 
It's not British, exactly. It's not really British. It's not really... It's not Hollywood either, but it's not... If anything, it's more maybe European in some respects. It's a very, very, very strange combination of different styles and different things. But Scarlett Johansson is not the first person you'd think would be established with this kind of film. As it turns out, she's really good. She is really good. Not because she she acts in a, in a powerful way, essentially, in that she underacts. Um, a, she can put on a really, really good English accent. I can tell you that much. It surprised me how good it was. It's, you know... It, Angelina Jolie did a good one with Lara Croft. You, you know, put Scarlet in the pants. She could probably pull off a good Lara with that kind of accent. But it's more that she underacts a part, which is all about subtext and movement and what she communicates through her expressions and her face. She, do, she has very minimal dialogue throughout the whole thing. There is barely a script in terms of dialogue throughout this there really isn't there it, it is a series of scenes and moments and visuals that have dialogue as an incidental in various different ways which makes sense when you see the film so Scarlett Jansen does really well in the sense of creating a very strange otherworldly character in this woman who is doing these awful things but in a strange context that I can't really talk about in this that you need to see. And so she's, she's really good. The other, the other great thing about this is the fact that it creates such a visual impression. First, you, the first moment when you go in there, it, it brings up a certain amount of credits and then it, it, there's, there's nothing in the frame. It's darkness for at least 10 seconds and, you're, and my eyes were flitting around the screen waiting for... I was expecting something to hit me, some kind of horrific thing to hit me straight away. And I was, I was actually tensed up waiting for whatever that was going to be what it is is a very very interesting and deeply strange visual to do with light and concentric circles and all all, all kinds of different things that make up what seems to be an eye and and it's kind of like a way into the whole idea of of what is under the skin what is what is beneath the 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 look of a human being Lots of different things. And it hits you with this really, really bizarre visual. And straight away, it introduces a, a, a score, which is unnerving, to say the least, by a, a um, musician called Michael Levi. And it, it's a marvellous, marvellous piece of music running through this film. It's just so dissonant and strange. And it, it really tracks with what you're seeing. And straight away, that's there. And immediately, you are, you are on edge. There was this ominous sense of expectation throughout the whole thing. Uh, you know, Glazer never wants you to be comfortable for one second, and you're not. I was sitting there just waiting for, for, for something absolutely horrific to happen. And, and I'm not saying whether that does or it doesn't. The whole thing has a real element of horror and, and disturbing elements to it that is just there all through so I did I, I will say now I, I wasn't I didn't feel like I was waiting for something I didn't get I felt like I was waiting for something that was never going to happen but it's based on my preconceptions of what I expect in in these kind of films and this film is not anything anything like you would expect it any any film like this to be it is so different and so weird and strange and original in my opinion as somebody who, by his own self-admission, hasn't seen everything in the world and still has a massive, massive journey to go in terms of understanding film. But from my perspective, it's 
the most one of the most strangest films I've ever seen. It's 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 so stark and you know even though it's set in a, in a recognisably real world for someone who lives in in England because it's set in Scotland. I mean, it's set in Glasgow, and you know, I, I live in an urban sprawl. It's not much different from Glasgow, really. It's just there's less mountains uh, <laughs> and marginally better weather, although not not much. But it's it's a recognisable world to me. So having this this kind of thing happen in that recognisable world, when you have also these so bizarre and off the wall visual ideas and which I can't talk about because I'm determined that if, you've, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Under the Skin, I don't want to ruin it for you because it, it is such a striking experience first time round that you need to see it for yourself. But it really juxtaposes all these different things to a point where you are left, as the film develops, and it, it kind of takes a slightly different turn throughout the second half into if not necessarily more interesting territory, then more understandable territory. I, I would say, even though I think this is this is a marvellous film altogether, I would say the first half is stronger than the second. But that's only because the first half is, is if anything, slightly more conventional than the second half. I don't know. It's very hard to process this. I'm, my, my, my thoughts on this are a real morass of stuff because I'm so struck by the whole thing that it will take thinking about it and actually seeing it for a second time to really let it sink in. But on first glance, you know, it really hit me. And it is, it's completely going to be one of those films that divides opinion. It will polarise. Already somebody who I, who I admire in terms of his film knowledge has turned around to me and said, I thought it was rubbish. Now, um, and I'm, I'm looking forward after I finish this uh, recording to listen to what Mark Kermode has to say because he is my favourite movie critic in the world. And I'm wondering if he'll say it was, he loved it or if it was rubbish. I don't know. We'll wait and see. But it will polarise opinion. There will be people who go into that and think it's ponderous, dull, slow-moving bollocks. You know, in, in, a, in a way that I was polarised by watching The Tree of Life late recently, which is a completely different story. And I didn't get from that what other people have got from it. But all I will say is that it's okay if that's the case. This is one of those films where I completely understand if people don't, see from it what I did because I don't think you can I think it's one of those films that you will either completely get and it will completely consume you or you won't get at all that's fine just see it is my is my ultimate thing ideally go to the cinema go and see it on the big screen because you will get much more of a sense of how remote and strange and weird this thing is even more certainly much more than in your own intimate environment go and see it Judge for yourself and then let me know what you thought because I don't think there will be much better film out there this year. You don't want to wake up, do you? Short but sweet this week, but that's the end of this episode of Black Hole Cinema. Uh, I'm still reeling from experiencing Under the Skin. And I must say again, even though I've just talked about it for over 10 minutes, you must, must go and see that film. I cannot urge you enough. It's a day later I'm recording this little final piece from watching that film. And it still is rattling around in my head. It is just phenomenal. So it's going to be, I'm going to be hard pushed to find something that good again this year 
But there'll be there's, there's some, still some good films coming out. There's some definitely the interesting, very different films I hope to see this week and review next time. So we should be back to normal next time with the normal uh, amount of uh, reviews and extras uh, and the normal length for this podcast. As ever, you can follow me on Twitter. And once again, thank you to anyone who is downloading this and uh, listening to this every week. Thank you to a lot of the guys on Letterboxd who are, I know are listening, uh, guys and girls on Letterboxd, I should say. So I appreciate that support. Uh, as ever, please, please give me any feedback you, you want to about what you think about my reviews and about what else I could do with the podcast. It's always good information to know. So have a good week of films. Watch some great stuff. Go and watch Under the Skin <laughs> again. And I'll catch you next time. Sayonara.